You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. Another, another, another edition of Fully Book Meets. You heard myself, mate. Myself, French. Myself, Andrew. And today we're joined by the author of The Soul Rebellion, Elizabeth Young. So I'm just going to clap you in a little bit, my thing. Thanks for coming on and joining us. Yeah? <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. I understand that you also go by the name Khadija. I just want to know which one we're going to use on the podcast going forward. Um, Khadija is my Islamic name. Okay. Um, I tend to refer to it um, as my higher self, but um, we'll go with Elizabeth uh, for sake of the book and my pen name. Right. So when, when um, Pocker, so we call Andrew Pocker, yeah? So when Pocker kind of told us about yourself, because he kind of reached out to you in the, at the beginning, you kind of told us a bit about yourself and about the book you've written and the depths to which, to which surround yourself. Like, there's much more than just the book. And so I just want you to kind of give us an overview of, about yourself, where you've come from, and how you came about to, to kind of write in a sort of building. And we'll touch on other stuff as well, yeah? So just give us a quick overview. Okay, okay cool. Um, so my history, I've come from, a, um, in my younger days, uh, the gang, I've like in the gang culture, growing yeah. up having lots of experience of dysfunctional relationships and um, just finding myself as a person that uh, was very much wanting to be free. Um, that rhetoric has always followed me wherever I've been, whether it's school, whether um, it was in the church setting or, or it, just that feeling of wanting to be free. Um, and so um, growing up and coming into my adulthood, I've had to really learn to overcome a lot of narratives um, and really tr- walk into finding myself and, yeah, just working and knowing my true, my true self. Okay, cool. You, you spoke a little bit about like growing up in. So, what did you grow up in a kind of gang environment or gang part? Because you're from London, right? I'm, I'm originally from South of the Waters. I'm a South London girl. South London girl. So, in terms of your environment, <laughs> bro, in terms of your environment growing up, was you in and around a kind of gang area, or was that like, did you were you drawn to that life, or was it just you were born into them? Definitely, definitely much drawn to that life. Um, my parents, I bought, um, raised in a Christian household, two parent family. My parents done a remarkable job in raising me and putting great discipline and principles inside of me as a young child. Um, but that was, for me, it was like, I wanted what was out there in the world. I wanted to go and experience what was going on. So from a very young age, I was, you know, sneaking out to go to the parties down at the youth club and, you know, and then it just evolved from there. Um, I originally came, lived in, I don't know if you know, are you South Londoners at all? Where you? We're West London. You're West London. We okay. know South though, we know South. You know South. Okay, yeah, so, um, so basically I lived in an area called Wandsworth. Yeah. Um, you know Wandsworth. And yeah. so I started to have gang association in the Capitan Junction area. Okay. So that was me uh, growing up. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> What, what, what drew you to getting involved in the gang culture, so to speak? Um, I've, I'm going to be honest. Where it came from, where it initiated from, it wasn't me getting involved into badness. My association with the gang culture came from my from promiscuality. So that actually, from me being involved with guys and boys and just being in that that wow. circle and so that's how I um yeah that's how I got yeah my involvement in it what what about um some of your girlfriends was it just you by yourself or was it like a click of you that was there was a there's a whole there's a crew of us <laughs> yeah. yeah there was a crew of us that hanged out together if you knew any of the man them that was around us they built us up quite roughly um and placed quite like principles and i guess disciplines in us as 
uh, girls that was associated with them. And um, so we went through a lot of initiations. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. Do you, do you want to speak on initiations? Just, just to give the listeners, because some people may not know what goes down in the gangs or certain things that you have to do or, or actually go through in general. They, they may know what they hear on a programme or maybe on like a TV. So like, as a real life experience, what? what sort of things did you have to do? Initiations were just them, they would, they would be rough with us violently. And we accepted that, well, we socially accepted that as a norm. Mm. Uh, um, and, there, there'll be times that uh, there was one occasion I was stabbed in my right leg. Um, I was um, gassed, but these were just, it was, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was you getting jumped in, essentially. Yeah, these, this, this was a norm. They, we was, we was, this was a norm for us. This was them toughing us, toughing us, toughening us up. Yeah. So um, it wasn't anything outside of, like we didn't see it as uh, abusive almost. Mm -hmm. It was just a norm. It was us being rolling with the man them, and that was just a part and parcel. Yes. Um, but it wasn't always um, violent. You know, it was. You know, you rolled with them. You you kept up with them. You rolled with them. So yeah, there was perks. I, I would assume there's perks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of age are we talking here, Elizabeth, that you were involved in and around that kind of that environment? 14, 15, um, until I fell pregnant at the age of 16. So my first child was at the age of 16 years old. Wow, okay, cool. And then what happens with that? Is it is it a case that you just you just kind of grow up and it's just like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a mum to be, I'm, I'm, I've just become a mum, I can't have this environment. What happens after that? No, the you evolution, you evolve in your environment, but the evolution of self is not yet. That takes some time. So okay. although we've, I've moved area, I've gone, I've now got my own home. You know, I'm now raising a child. The mindset is still the same. So I've left that behind, but. Um, the situation is just evolved into another circumstance. It's just, it's the same thing, but a different circumstance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. Oh, sorry. I'm um, sorry. I had a question. Sorry, like you mentioned, obviously, in the book that you steered away from um, like principles and some of the, the values that you had in your upbringing. And I want you to maybe like expound on those. I know you said that you're quite an independent person. Um, but like I think some of the narratives out there is that we come from like bad homes when that actually isn't the case. And I just thought it might be interesting for you to maybe just give examples of maybe your upbringing. Well, um, I was raised in a Christian um, home. Both my parents are Christian and they're full on Christians. We spend a lot of time in church, a lot of time in church. And so um, the values that mum and dad always instilled in us, you know, obviously was around the relationships that we keep, you know, the friends that we have, um, obviously schoolwork. Um, in my house, my mum always looked at me as the most, she always called me the intelligent one. And her cry was always, if I had money to send you to private school, if I had money to send you to private school. And... Um, so she always, you know, enforced on us about the education, both parents enforced on us about education. And obviously it was the spiritual aspect also, you know, um, to love God and, you know, be good and all of those things that come with a uh, religious narrative. So those are the things that mum and dad instilled in me as a young person. And I think um, from a young age, like I rebelled from that very early. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to hear it. Um, and so that's what set me on my own path to stay away from the principles that they had brought me up in. Cool. Um, like in addition to that, I mean, I had this conversation with someone today as to, and I forget the actual sentence I used. I said that it was essentially circumstances out of my control 
made me who I was, you know, and I have core principles, but unfortunately, due to my environment, I became a different person. And as to kind of like what I said earlier, I think there's a narrative out there to which, let's say those from, I don't even like using the word, from urban neighbors, from urban neighborhoods, um, we're just bad people, when there's a lot more to the story than actually meets the eye. And like, I don't know, you might want to expand on it a little bit, but I mean, like to my next question, like for any young women listening or otherwise, how do you kind of like navigate through like some of your struggles? Because I know you said you had a child. Um, I think everything boils down to, fundamentally, I think one of the core things that is important is the types of people that you have around you. And so I say that with, if you've got a whole group of people and all of them have one, te- one type of mindset or a, a type of way and they only see life a specific way, then it kind of leaves you or it kind of um there's nothing really to dig down into yourself and bring you out into another perspective or an um a renewed mindset so um for me where change actually started taking place was when i joined the church so that's not to disregard my friends and the people that i had around and it's not to pay down on um, my relationship with them. But the time where my life took a significant change is because of spirituality. That's where my life took a significant change, where um, I could then start unpicking and start to understand certain things. So, um, yeah. I hope that answers. Does that answer your question? It does, and I have another question as to that, because... I come from a Christian back, background myself and my parents or my mum to be exact um, and follows, follows the religion, religion quite, I don't even know how to say, but she follows the religion, okay? And mm-hmm. I understand, so I'm trying to not speak too loud because I know my mum's in the other room. <laughs> I know my mum's in the other room, which sounds crazy, right? So like, I kind of, I, so I understand exactly what you're talking about and I almost forgot the question out of fear. No, joking. No, so I almost forgot the question in that. I, I want to, you know, there, there is a friction, you know, as to sometimes you can feel that the, the religion or just being under your parents' rule and going back and forth from church and it being in your household can suffocate you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is that how you felt? I don't know if you want to. Most, most, most definitely. I was always, um, and I've um, spoke about this in the book, I was always... Um, seen or said to be rebellious that is that's a title that has followed me but as I grew as um, a woman and come into come come um, coming into myself I realized that what they called rebellion was that I didn't want to take things just as it was given to me so I couldn't mum would say um, I don't want to make this religious but mum would say Jesus is Lord I would want to know why Jesus is Lord, how Jesus is Lord. I, so it was never, I never took things for face value and that's always been something inside of me. And so I feel like that's the reason why that, um, that uh, narrative of rebellious has kind of like followed me. But I've, I've, I've learned to transmute um, that uh, into uh, a freedom fighter almost, you know, because I, I don't want to, I won't take things just as they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have one more question. I'm sorry, I have a few questions, actually. I have one more question. Sorry, then I thought it'd be a good idea, obviously, if you actually go into the book, because we're actually asking you quite actual personal questions, which I'm sure are linked to the book. So in some some reading that I've done, it says the rebellion is, sorry, the rebellion is a mark and the beginning of self-love, which I thought was very powerful. And I've never really looked at it from that point of view. And if I think of examples, um, actually, I don't know if it's a poor example, but if we think of the recent Batman film and what's the, was the Joker? Joker was a, a rebellion. I'm not too sure, not that I'm not too sure, but I can't think of the, of the link of love at this moment in time. But I definitely resonate um, with what you said. Then there's, let's think of Extinction Rebellion, no pun intended as to um, um, their brand, as to them being Extinction Rebellion, but there's a, a sense of love and there's a passion as to why they do what they do. And there are a number of other people I'm sure I can 
I can name and I can point out as to their rebellious acts and it being obviously an act of self-love. So do you want to maybe expand on that and actually go into your book? Because when I read um, passages of your book, well, not necessarily of your book, sorry, when I read passages, obviously, as to what your book was about, I was really intrigued as to obviously hearing from you and hearing more about the book. Elizabeth, before you do that, before you do that, because it's kind of linked to Pocker's question, I just kind of wanted to know the path that actually led you to even thinking about writing that book. So it's part of the answer to Pocker's question. I just want to know that as well. So what's the path that led you? I know that, like, you found the church at a certain age, you've had your little one quite young, and then eventually found the the church and also i know you've got an islamic name khadija so are you now islamic i i am muslim, <laughs> muslim. sorry that's me showing my nerves anyway <laughs> yeah, muslim. so yeah i want to know that how the book came about um grace how, how grace, grace grace let i think we should let her answer p's question because that sounds like she's going to be loaded with too much information to answer so let her answer p's question then come back with yours uh, refresh, refresh me off Pete's question again. Ref he said you asked about the uh, um, self-love? Um, I almost forgot my question was, but I mean, essentially my question was, did you want to explain, obviously, what your book was about? Okay. Um, so the soul rebellion is merely the advancement and the evolution of oneself through the act of self-love. Okay. So it's learning to love yourself and understand the good, the bad and the ugly of oneself. Now in life we have um, external narratives and we have um, popular culture and we have um, society, um, society um, constructs that determine or um, influence who we are as individuals and so my work really is just about me learning and continuing that process of going inside of myself loving myself and rebelling from the soulish part of who I am and that's if you want to call it the heart if you want to call it the spirit if you want to call it all of those things we have to learn to go through life knowing who we are from the, the an innate part knowing who we are from a spiritual perspective and being able to imprint and place your mark in the world from that, as opposed to the external influences that we might wear, whether it's stereotypes or people's words or negative, you know, um, words or rhetorics that have always over us and suppress us. Mm. So um, that's really what the book is about. And it's my work, my walk and my journey through that. Yeah. How do you, so you, you mentioned quite a few interesting points there. How do you do that in this everyday society? Because I was saying to the boys before we came on air, I probably had such a, a terrible week last week where I felt quite down. And I said, this week's a new, can I pick myself up? But do you, every day, how do you get up and feel that way about like kind of um, just this kind of looking into yourself and thinking about the positives and just staying positive and thinking about, growth and development because like I said I had a pretty crappy week last week and I it's, couldn't find it's, it's, out of that. Sorry to cut you. Um, it's not actually really about staying po positive. It's actually about having awareness. Um, okay. It's not it's not an ideal concept to think that everything in life is completely positive. Mm -hmm. um, a good example that you can have if you look at the yin and yang visually you understand that there's good in the bad and there's bad in the good and once once you start to understand that there's polarity so we have opposite ends of one one um pole but it's one it's actually one entity so inside of us we have you know the god state and we have the lowest state of being but it's learning to embrace the whole the whole of who you are. So that means when you are having a bad day, you can recognize your awareness is brought to it. You can recognize you're having a bad day. And this is what I need to do to, do you understand what I'm saying? Instead of what normally keeps us in a bad space is that our lack of acceptance of who we are. So we, we, it binds us up almost because you start beating yourself up, I haven't done this and I haven't done that and I'm not this person and I'm not that person. It's the acceptance of 
of who you are as an individual. Does that make sense? That makes a lot. So, yeah, like I, I'll um, share with you, like so you can understand it from a physical, like from the physical. Like now, I've I'm now forty one, mm. and um, I'm starting like the aging thing starting to happen. It's a little green here, then start pricks up, and you know them types of things. So this is a new space for me of understanding and knowing myself and embracing myself like I've never really had a um I've never really had a uh, um been image conscious so this is a new space for me so I have to learn to love with the, the you know whilst I'm working to transform whether it's weight wise whether it's how am I gonna work this out am I gonna wear it with pride am I gonna cover it with my grace it's my awareness to it and love Loving myself through that process. So I d does that help make it in a physical way that you can embrace yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah. So basically there is the good, the bad and the ugly and the world does not allow us at all to do the bad and the ugly. It only wants to present the good, the good, the good, the good. And it's an unrealistic measure to life. That, that, you just summed up Instagram in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. I have um, a really funny relationship with social media. I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't like it. I've only found an, a love for it, um, obviously over this time of COVID, where I've been able to reach out to my friends and family when there's been distance. Um, but there'll be times I've gone off social media for a whole four years. And the reason is I can't get it because nobody is posting the pictures of their noodles, what they had for dinner. You understand what I'm saying? Sorry. Okay. Random Bob Marley just come on. <laughs> so I, there was um, a frustration with me because I want us to learn to just be, just be and be able to embrace it all. But yeah, society does, just doesn't allow it. I guess speaking on society and allowing it, um, would you say that you're you're now at a stage where you want to be be the change that you want to see? So, in in the sense that you've written this this book and you're putting yourself out there and you're being vulnerable and you wanna you wanna show those pictures of those noodles, you wanna show those pictures of all right, cool, I got my grades up, I've got my grades up, I thought I'd ride a bike still. You know what I'm saying? But, um, are you at that stage? I and mean, is that the message that you're trying to imply? Absolutely, 101. I'm still on, I'm, every, every day is a process. I'm still, yeah, it's a journey. We're still, um, everyone's on a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much, I've been very much a sheltered person and I, I introvert. I have long times where I like to be in my own space. So, yes, me presenting myself to the world in this, even this interview, it's like, you know, presenting myself. But yeah. when I'm in the space, he's going to say something. <laughs> no, I agreed. I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's it, basically. <laughs> um, just going back to a point that you made earlier in regards to, like, the people that you was running around with and whatever, whatnot, what would you say was the catalyst to get you back into the church? I felt like my life was falling apart. Um, my partner at the time um, had, <laughs> okay, I said, I'm gonna be transparent. So my house had been raided. Um, my partner at the time, he um, had been arrested um, and he was on remand. And at that time I needed, I needed something. I needed something. I'd run out of myself. I'd been on the road. I was running up and down doing X, Y, Z. I was tired and I'd run out of myself. I'd run yeah. out of myself. And so um, the natural thing for me was to go to church. That's what I knew. That's what I was raised in. And so that was the natural progression um, is to go to church. And I stepped into church and I literally wailed as I stepped into the church because I was carrying a lot. I was 
carrying you know you go through I think sometimes when we're out and about and we're moving around and we're flipping this and we're changing this and we're doing that and you're just going and you don't realize how much weight you're carrying mm-hmm. and um yeah I literally stepped into the church doors and I wowed and yeah that was I guess a release and it was uh the next step of my journey of understanding spirituality. And like, just, I guess, because we've, we've got a varied listenership, so from, from young to, to an older generation, like if we're, just to kind of, I guess, give advice to, to, the, to a younger generation, because a lot of them are still doing the same thing, like we repeat the process. So there's a younger you that was doing what you're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? So what advice would you give to that person? And would you say that they would also go in the direction of church or, or otherwise? Um, the first bit of advice would that I would give is that you are not your circumstance. You are not what's happened to you. You are not anything that is surrounding you. You are not. The space in which, where which, I don't know why this book, Marnie keep kicking off my phone. Message. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, for them to understand that you are not your circumstance. I don't care what you've been through. If it's a female and you've been in abusive relationships, you're on the road and you're, you know, involved in all. T- you are not your circumstance. There's your your environment around you. It plays a major part, but it's not the infinite part of who you are. And so. I'm not going to tell no one to go left or right in terms of um, spirituality. But what I will say is that begin to look into spirituality. Everything is a process. I started off in church and with information, my belief system changed. So everything's a process. So it's like, where do you go? There's so much um, schools of thoughts that is about like, where do you go? Do I turn Rasta? Do I turn to Muslim Islam? Do I turn Christian? Do I do this? There's so many schools of thought. And I would just say, it's just, just to go within and, and, and fight. It's, all a, it's all a part of the journey. I don't disregard my Christian space and that time of my life, I don't disregard it. It was the foundation of my spiritual understanding. Oh, good match. Um, Sorry, I don't know if you have a Sorry, anyway, so sorry, I was going to say whether you had a question, Lee. Um, I have a couple of things, and I may go on a bit of a tangent, but hopefully there'll be some, some questions that will offspring from there. So, like, there was something you said or something that I, I picked up from also in my research where it says that you, um, sorry, that your love for, sorry, love for humanity ties Elizabeth's struggle. And obviously I can hear that obviously in your voice, but also in your process of seeing writing your book and also going back to the church, I'm sure you had many, many questions. And I had a conversation with someone today and this, sorry, I had a conversation with someone yesterday and I articulated <coughs> these views today. And they were asking me, I think, as to why, so I'm in the process of writing a book. So like in my process in writing this book, I said that I've, I've like, this book has helped me actually ask a lot of questions of myself. So it's allowed me to go back into my past, not only my past, but go into the future and then ask questions as to my parents' past and to an extent their future as well, their future as well. And with what I'm going to say is, well, I don't know how it's not alarming in any way, shape or form. And some people may question what I'm going to say, but what I said to this person today was I've got a few ghosts that I, I intend on burying. And that may sound quite strong. I know this thing Lee's laughing, that may, that may come across quite strong, but I didn't realize how many, not ghosts in my closet, but yeah, I want to say my closet, but I saw ghosts in other people's closets, which actually I personally feel can't afford to come forward with me in the future, whether it's my future or potentially my, let's say my kids' future. I haven't haven't got any kids at this moment in time. I'm not due any kids or anything along those lines, but I told myself I can't allow this to go any further than here. Um, and that's a wider conversation, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But you've been through a lot yourself. And obviously, in writing the book, did you feel that you had a number of questions that you felt you need to, needed to ask of yourself, which were quite soul, like, sorry, it demanded you, like, went quite deep into your soul, no pun intended, as to 
answering those questions? Um, I think that I'm my worst critic in the sense that um, because of the types of relationship that I've been in, um, it's caused me to become my worstest critic. So I have a um, in terms of writing the book, um, my main realization was um, the patterns of dysfunctional relationship and why I was having those patterns, why I was continuing, continuing to find myself in relationships that were dysfunctional or abusive. Is that? Yeah, so you kind of cut out there, but I think you were saying, that, does that make sense? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think it does make sense in that you've made a decision that you wanted to, which kind of, <laughs> it leads me on to what I, my, 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 my second question really, because it looks like you've gone into your past and you've kind of reviewed and analysed um, what you've gone through um, with, a, with, with the purpose of A, bettering yourself, but at the same time, educating other people as well. And like other things that I picked up obviously from my reading and research about yourself is that it says, with over 15 years of study, research and experience, working within the public sector, it says that you embody like passion for change, mentality, um, spiritually and also physically. Can you explain your study? And you may have gone through your experiences, but what you do now? You're, you're breaking. So you're wait, breaking up. So do you, do you want me to say that again? I'm, just the last part of what you were saying. Okay, cool. So, um, with sorry, it said like with over fifteen years of experience. Sorry, with fifteen years of study, research, and experience working in the public sector, it says that you embody change spiritually and physically. Um, can you explain your study? I think you've gone through your experiences already, but what you do now? Um, my study is merely um, I've looked into the psychological aspect of um, self of understanding the true self. So over the years, um, especially whilst being in Christendom, um, it's really trying to understand the self, the inner man and who that inner man, that person is. So it's um, grouped together with psychological, you know, mental health and um, obviously the spiritual and the spirit man. Um, and then basically just um, having books around me that can um, help me to embrace, you know, us or me as a person and what the true self looks like. Cool. Speaking on books and, and writing, what was, your, what was your process and was your process of writing almost therapeutic? Um, right, so writing has always been my thing. So from a very young age, I've always wrote, journaled, um, I had boxes full, I've actually lost all of these things, but I had boxes full of journals. Um, I used to dream a lot, so I'd be writing down dreams and stuff like that. So, um, what was the question? <laughs> was was the, your writing process therapeutic? Oh, my writing process. I find life when I write. Um, and I almost feel like I dance when I write. I almost feel like, um, I'm trying to, they call it a, 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 cathars, a catharsis, with yeah. a catharsis. So, um, yeah, it is. I, I dance, I come alive when I write. It's very much a deep-rooted passion. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to get up and write about this experience. Writing has been me. Um, when I was writing this when I wrote this book, I was mid-writing a novel. And that novel, I'd had the concept. Um, I dreamt the whole concept. And I was mid-writing that concept, um, mid-writing that novel. And mm -hmm. I literally just stopped and was just like, okay, I'm, let me quickly, let me write this book. Let me get this book out of me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even expect it to be, um, I didn't even expect it to be, so weighty okay um i just kind of like 
I didn't expect it to be as weighty as it came. So, um, yeah. Speaking of some of the books, what, what are some of the books that you would read to help with some of your research and, and again, just write your writing process? What? Um, Critical Thinking by Richard Paul. Um, that's Concepts and Tools um, by Richard Paul. Um, this is one of my favorites. It's quite, it's quite beat up, but it, <laughs> this is. Um, yeah, I got that. A new earth, but you got it. Yeah, well, you know. So um, that really helps to understand the ego and pain bodies. Hundred um, uh, percent. One that I'm, I've, I'm taking quite a lot of comfort in at the moment because um, it's called uh, the Surrender Experience by. Uh, is it? Oh, I can't remember the name of the author, but I'll give it to you by the end. Something Singer. I think it's Michael A. Singer. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks of the surrender experience, but he really shows how surrendering to the infinite part of us and to the soul gets us through in life. And he's on a corporate level and owns a multi-million pound business. So sometimes we have that aspect of spirituality, whereas... Um, we feel like we're just, you know, you know, woe is me, I'm undone, you know, and that we're not supposed to have nothing and we're not supposed to experience um, wealth or any of those things. And he really just shows and examples about going into self and, and just surrendering to life, surrendering to life and allowing life to happen allowing life to happen and and how he functioned especially in the corporate world how he functioned whilst relying on his spirit person on his spirit man so that's a book that i'm really you know engraving in at the moment i was actually going to ask you about uh the surrendering the surrendering of self like and uh, understanding that concept because not to say that i'm aware of it i've heard of it but i'm not I'm not privy to it. So if you could kind of expand on what, what that means and, and how you go about it in your life. Okay, so for me, from my experience and from the tools that I feel like I've learned from my experience, I've learned no longer to place responsibility on anything that external is external. I've learned that life is no longer going to happen to me. I am in control. I am responsible for my life. And so... With that comes um, the capacity to now begin to master self. So when you're faced with a circumstance, um, someone might say, no, man, you've got no resistance. Yeah. And you'd be like, no, man, that person's violating. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But a true power is for you to learn to surrender that egoic part of yourself. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? For yeah. you to surrender. So an outsider would say, oh man, you failed, man. How you make that man overthrow you? But it's not really about the external person because you're not submitting to that external person. Mm. I'm submitting to myself. I'm surrendering to myself. And it's for us to really start to learn the power of surrendering to ourselves. That's a way of mastering self and overcoming self and taking responsibility. Okay, I guess it does link to uh, The New Earth by Urquhart Tolley because in that book he mentions, and this is what one of the major things, major keys that I'll say I took from that book personally was your ego being a separate entity. Like, yes. there's like, your inner self, then there's an ego that's always trying to make you react. And as you said, in that scenario, your ego will react to that person saying, oh, uh, you got violated and this and that, what are you going to do about it? You're going to ride out, boom, boom, boom. Your ego's going to be like, yeah, come, let's do this thing. But your inner self is like, no, I'm big, I'm, this, is, this is just an out external situation that's happening. It's not me personally that's being attacked and being put in a certain way. But your ego will take that and, again, as, as he's explained it, it's a separate entity. It's always mm-hmm. looking for that validation. Yes. And, yeah, so it can, it can actually feel useful, like it's doing something. And it's, whether it's good or bad, as far as it's concerned, it's doing something in that moment and in that reaction. Yes, absolutely. So that's how it gains power. And it's for you to, as you said, have that self-mastery to take that power back from the ego and, and be able to control it. 
That's my understanding anyway. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, in my book, I reference, I um, call it the object and objective phenomenon. So when stuff happens to you in life, it's mm. something for you, it's something for you to overcome. That thing has visited you because it's going to show you a part of who you are and something that you need to overcome. Mm-hmm. So um, going, not staring away, but um, my relationship that spurred me on to write this book was very much that that relationship mirrored my subconscious thought. That relationship that I had mirrored the, t- the narrative that was deep within, inside of me. Mm. And so whilst I spent a lot of time um, trying to convince this person that I wasn't this and that, I had to take the responsibility of where my subconscious thought was actually echoing or mirroring the narrative in which he was bringing to me. So instead of um, seeing him as an enemy or seeing him as uh, something that, you know, is there to bring me down, I reference him as a personal trainer. It's someone that that objective phenomenon is for me to overcome. It's mirroring something that's going on inside of me, my subconscious thought. And so it's a part, it's, it's, it's for me to change that subconscious thought, which is, is a very hard thing. It's a hard thing. I'm not even going to lie. Um, it's a journey. Yeah. It's a yeah. journey. Yeah. I would say that you, you reference, um, I know you, um, between yourself and French have referenced, I'm going to say two or three books, but it sounds like you have a wealth of knowledge not only by way of experience, but by way of actually reading as well. And I don't even know what my question is. I was going to ask if you can, to an extent, maybe outline um, more books that you've actually read, or maybe to an extent even how long you actually have been reading. Because um, whilst you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, you you come across very, very much um, like someone who's, I don't want to say been in the church for a number of years, but you know how pastors are almost like orators by way of the way they communicate and how powerful they are by way of delivering their message. And I will say that's almost the way that you, you came across in, in some of the stuff that you were saying, um, in uh-huh. referencing these, um, I don't even know how, I'd, how I would say it, referencing these, these terminologies. What's the question, Pete? What's the question? <laughs> oh, sorry, no, um, no, apologies. Um, no, like, um, how long, so essentially maybe how long have you been reading and like, um, is there, is, what's the scope to your reading? Um, okay, so I've been reading, I've always been a reader as a child, as much as I loved writing. I, I think I stopped reading maybe coming up to my 20s, then I started my early, maybe early 20s, when I started going back to church and I started reading, come picking up the Bible, so on and so forth. Um, my reading is mainly ref- reference. Okay. And I'm glad sometimes I read and I take, in, I take in knowledge and sometimes it doesn't always stick. Yeah. It doesn't always, it's not always digestible. So with me, when it comes to reading, it's something that has to really connect with me for me to be able to articulate it back to you. So I can read something and it can be um, logical, but if it doesn't stick with me and it doesn't connect with me, then I can't, I can't spit it back to you. I can't tell you, I can't go into it. But sometimes I'll be like, oh God, why can't this stick? Why can't it stick with me? But I'm actually glad because it makes me have to have to speak out of my soul as, does that make sense? It makes me have to speak from here, from my, the deepest part of me, from a deep conviction. So, so uh, go on, apologies. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. No, so, I mean, so like kind of even speaking to what my question was, because there wasn't a question to begin with, um, what, what gravitates you to pick up a book? Because it sounds like, um, you know, I don't want to say, I mean, like your title is quite powerful, all right? And that will kind of guide you towards picking up your book. Um, And you've explained obviously your story. So what, when you're looking at a shelf or when you're looking at titles, um, what, I mean, what, why and how do you pick up these, these books? Um, 
I don't, I, I don't know if I've got a, a, a true answer to that um, because I'll be passing and see someone leave a box outside their house with books and <laughs> I'll be picking them up. So it's not always like anything that's like, wow, like somebody might recommend this, uh, recommend a book to me. Um, or do, do you know what I mean? I don't know if there's anything that makes me say, oh, I'm going out to choose this title. I just, I think it just depends on my space. I think it, 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 it's, it depends on, I've just always had a love for books. And so whether it's recommended, whether it's given, um, yeah. I don't know if I've got a true answer for that, if you get what I mean. I don't know if I've got a perfect answer. I think you've answered well enough. You surrender to the process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, cool. Go on, mate. Yeah. Um, one of the things or kind of bullet points, I remember when we kind of set this meeting up, there was some kind of bullet points we said we might kind of float around. And one of them was kind of the importance of vision. And I just want to touch on why that's important to you and why you think it's important to people in general. Okay, so obviously the title of my book is The Soul Rebellion Journal, An Alternative Approach to Narcissistic Recovery. So um, in my, this book came out of a, um, I don't want to term it in a way that is, wants to disrespect the person um, because at a point there was love. And there still is love. Um, what was the point that I was making? So the, the, the importance of vision and, and kind oh, of... Oh, vision, that's right. So whilst I was in this relationship and feeling very trapped and losing myself, completely lost myself and become very frigid, very, didn't even... Uh, minute, small little tasks I couldn't carry out because I wasn't sure, I was always second-guessing myself. And the thing that bailed me out was vision. The thing that bailed me out was the fact that this is not what I wanted. This is not what I want for myself. This is not where, this is not taking me to the place where I see myself going. This is not it. And that was my saving grace was my capacity and my ability to see further than my circumstance. That was my saving grace. Okay. And that's why it's so important if you don't have vision, um, you know, my mum would have said, any breeze can blow you. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, you go with any breeze that blow you. So if you've got vision, you kind of, you have, um, and I, I talk about all of these things in the book, um, you, you, you become intentional. You become yeah. intentional, even though you might not be hitting goals. Yeah. You're still going towards this way because that's where the dream is. That's where yeah. I see myself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the importance of having vision. You hit the nail on the head because I was gonna. My next follow-up question was gonna be: How do you, if you're in, a, in an environment or in a situation where your judgment and vision is clouded and you can't see beyond the clouds, how do you then bring this vision of or plan into into motion into life? And you said the word goals. I'm gonna assume kind of having goals, having aims, having aspiration, has been having dreams and maybe setting them and setting kind of milestones about how. Absolutely. You're gonna... Absolutely, but um, I will say this because um, I'm. I'm quite a wild person in, I'm a wild person. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm quite, dis, I want to say a little disorganized, yeah? <laughs> can be at times. So you can, I set, I've set goals. I've, I've, I've set goals and some of the goals that I've seen come into fruition as came about for me just being intentional. Yes. They're intentional are like little, little steps. They're little steps towards the bigger thing. So it's, it's, it's less, um, you're less able to come off path. You have the vision over there. You're less able to come off path. If you're being, yes, you set goals. I'm 100% for goals, but not everybody is methodological in their, in their way of thinking. Um, so, yes, write them down. I, I, I absolutely uphold writing down your goals and your visions, but also allow that flexibility. 
and to maintain, um, you know, that, that intention, you know, whatever you're doing just to maintain that intention and you will get to that, you will get to it. Um, can I share a story with you? Of course. <laughs> so, uh, when I, I, I returned from Africa last year, February, and, and at that point, and I said, okay, I lost everything, everything that I could possibly ever I, I, I lost everything. And um, can I, I come... Can I Elizabeth, can I pause you? So we lost yes. you just inside your story. So was the start of your story that you, you went to Africa and came back last year? And, and that, was that the start of your story? Yes. Uh, what so, about Africa? Because I need context. I'm a simple man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in Gambia. I travelled to the Gambia. I was there. I uh, was there for three months. It was... Um, the, um, the aim was that it was a... Um, it was a business trip. So I was okay. going there for product formulation. Yeah. So I was going there to start forming a skincare brand. Okay. Um, it went left. There was but left. Mm. And I come back home. I literally, I lost everything. Everything that materialistically and everything had just crumbled. But I, I kind of was... I don't know, there was, I was just solid. Inside of me, I was solid. I was just like, okay, all right, what's the next move? So I come home and I listed 50 goals in eight areas of my life. Mm. And I share this in the Soul Rebellion Journal. Um, and one of those was to own some land. Okay. And um, obviously I had, a, I had vision for this land and for a retreat. Um, prior, some years prior. So when I come back, I was just like, I need to start going for these these dreams, these aspirations. Mm. And I come back home and I was like, okay, I started writing down the goals. Within a couple of weeks, I get a call from Gambia. Mm. So we've got this plot of lands. Are you interested in it? So I was like, yeah, all right, cool. All right, we'll see. But let me go skip, go back some years. I'd wrote, I'd wrote down um, that I wanted to own a plot of land that was surrounded by water in a tranquil area. Mm. So there had to be tranquility because the idea was to build a retreat there. Mm-hmm. And so this person calls me and says, yeah, we've got this plot of land. You're interested. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, let me see what's... So he, he went, we was negotiating prices. So I said, all right, I'm going to forward. So we've been about, I think about four weeks later, I was mm. back in Gambia. Okay. And I got there, perfect, perfect, perfect location. Surrounded, three parts surrounded by the Gambian River, one part surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean. Is it the Atlantic Ocean? I think it's the Atlantic Ocean. So one part of the Atlantic Ocean, three parts, the Gambian River, perfect. And I didn't even realize that four, four years prior, I had wrote down the intention. Yeah. And anyway, ended up, bought this spot of land and even got it discounted. And I sat down and we're sitting down around the campfire. We're sitting around the campfire and ironically, Bob Marley's Soul Rebellion, Soul Rebel was playing. So I sat down and I was like, oh my God, this is the land that I wrote four years prior. I didn't, do you understand what I'm saying? So I used that example to kind of like share with you that it's just being intentional. Sometimes we will write down things in a methodological format and then we'll beat ourselves up because we haven't reached those goals or those targets. Stay intentional because it will happen for you. And that's what happens when you start to follow your soul. Things just start to happen for you. Mm-hmm. Is that something I said? Yeah. Well, um, guys got any questions? I was going to ask another one. No, I don't know. <laughs> All right, cool. 
just I, I'm I love your journey. So I absolutely love your journey from the parts you touched on it from when you were young, the whole kind of gang culture and then kind of stepping away from that, getting back into the church. The the, the story about the land you now own that you told us about. What I want to know is because as we grow, sometimes with friends and, and kind of family, we can grow apart. Sometimes it's just life circumstances. Life. So, yeah. Um from your younger years, when you were kind of on the roads and you kind of had affiliates and probably good friends at that point, is there anyone you, is there any friends you've kept that you've been able to pull through their own struggles and battles and keep hold of, or have you just literally because you've been, you've had intentions and you've been focused and you kind of got back in the church, you went on a different path? Have you kind of all every single one of them are still my friends to this day? Wow. Um, there's not, there might be a few people that that drop off and you take different paths but mm. every single one of them are my friends and um i think actually my regret is that especially in this time of covid like i've been around them a lot more and i mm. try my little efforts they've 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 they're sound girls mm. um and i think definitely more in this time of um you know covid and obviously being um on quarantine, um, I've, you know, really thought, you know, I need to be around my people even more. So there was never a drop off on a, or a cut off like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody grown up, we're all, you know, we're all doing our things, you know, but the love, that love has always still been there. And I still hold every single one of them very close and dear to me. When you was going through your, your change, as I'm going to put it, like, I, I'm going to call the catalyst for that change, getting back into the church after the kind of house raid and stuff. Did anyone who was still on the roads and doing whatever they were doing, were they like, what are you doing? What are you playing at? Like, I'm trying to kind of get at it. Or were they just supportive of you and saying, you know what, if that's what you're going to do, I'm still here. I'm still your friend. I'm still, I'm still here for you. I think, do you know what? I'm going to be, I think they, they, they almost loved it in a sense that, you know, like if I did turn up at a christening yeah. or I did turn up at a, they'll always be the one to say, Liz, you're going to pray, bless the table. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? So um, there was never no one that was like, you see your real friends? Yeah. They're going to love you for you. They're going to love yeah. you no matter how you evolve and you change. They're gonna love you for you, and they have done that. They've been consistent. They have been consistent. I love my girls. They've been consistent, and I've, you know, I have, you know, made new friends. And but those day ones, they've they've been consistent. Um, I can't, I can't knock that part. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's just how. Yeah, that's how it's been. And what's the plan going forward? I know you've got visions and plans. Is there anything you can share with us or not? <laughs> there's so much there's so much i am embracing being multi-dimensional um i am learning that i do not have to do it in the way of the world um and yeah just finding my feet in terms of business in terms of growth in terms of giving back um, just finding my feet, um, my children developing, you know, my children, they're just, they're solid children and they're developing in their own ways. And we have our family visions and they have their individual visions. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really where it all stands. Um, yeah. Um, how can I forget? Um, <laughs> along with the Soul Rebellion Journal, I am working on the Soul Workbook which is a practical guide. Um, so to support people in their journey of becoming or finding their self. And so it coincides with the chapters in the book and it just gives worksheets and activities that will help work towards um, finding your true self. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sick. Are you gonna, you gonna talk there, Pete? No, 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 no. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just scratching my ear. Uh, cool well I'm I'm gonna with every guest we play a game I don't know if you guys want to ask any more questions before I get get started on uh, don't judge a book no go ahead French 
No, one sec. My last, oh. and I'm gonna get this right this time. <laughs> <laughs> are you, so, are you now? Do we? If we were your brethren, is it Elizabeth or Khadija? And are you now Muslim? And and how did that come about? That was my. <laughs> that's what, <I'm, laughs> might what I said earlier. Out, out. It might be edited out. <laughs> um, I'm now Muslim. Mm. Uh, it comes with my understanding and my love of. God being as infinite that he holds no form. No form whatsoever. Not a man, not a tree, not a cow, a goat. No form. Mm -hmm. And that's so powerful to me. Um, and the concept of oneness in itself um, is something that we need to embrace within ourselves. That oneness with you and I but that oneness and that center of your own self. So you have that, like I said, the polarity. You have that lower part of yourself and you have that higher part of yourself. And we're ever evolving and trying to frequent to that higher part. But sometimes we go down to that lower part. And it's all oneness. It's all a part of oneness. And so I've really learned them concepts and I've learned metaphysics through Islam. Um, of the reading of the Quran. So um, that's where I stand at the moment in terms of my religious understanding. I may not be viewed as a, a quote-unquote hijab-wearing Muslim, but I'm, I'm Muslim here. Mm. And um, also it echoes what's in my book, and that is surrender to, when I say soul, surrender to God, surrender to spirit, surrender to your heart. Surrender to all of those things, and that's what Islam is really about. It's um, surrender. That's what it's. It's there, and 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 I, I really embody that and found that in um, in my faith and my understanding of Islam. Thank you. All right, so Elizabeth Kadisha, whatever. You, yeah, we'll stay. Yeah, with God, anything you're welcome, <laughs> Miss Miss Young, Miss Young. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, we play a game with our, our guests and it's called, obviously you've heard of the, the term don't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. So in this case, we're actually going to do that. I'm going to read out a series of titles of a book and you're just going to judge them strictly based on their name and the answer is either dope or trash. And we're just going to go through a few names and you say dope or trash and we'll, we'll, keep, we'll call it a night. Okay, cool. So, all cool. right. Uh, Tequila Mockingbird. Dope. 1984. Dope. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you, you know. Lord of the Rings. Dope. Uh, Pride and Prejudice. Dope. Fifty Shades of Grey. What's the movie? That's why I say dope. Fifty Shades of Grey. Dope. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old man and the sea. Old man and the sea. Yeah. Just based judge a book by the cover. I don't really know. Um, old man and the sea sounds dope. All right. The alchemist. Dope. The worst journey in the world. Trash. <laughs> The Soul Rebellion, the Soul Rebellion Journal. What? That one, dwarf it, dwarf it, Ah, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. Stop. I'm I, thinking if I should, I'm thinking if I should claim up the Fifty Shades of Grey. I'll <laughs> just leave it there. Just leave it there. We we'll see, we we'll see. It's all good. It's an embodiment of an expression. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, it's been a pleasure, honestly. Like, I've Thank learned you. so much, and it's been a really interesting and informative um, talk, basically. So, from myself, and I'm sure the rest of the team, just thank you for I joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. You want to quickly shout out your socials, and obviously, we know your, your book, The Soul Rebellion, but anything else you want to shout out and promote, and obviously, we'll, we'll highlight that. Um, yeah, so my page is infinite underscore nature. That's my Instagram page. 
and um, I should really try and work to get all my handles together as one handle. And my um, YouTube page is Soul Work TV. Um, they're all new and young. well, the Instagram's old, but they're young in their um, in their space. But um, yeah, you can follow me on either of those. Um, and my website the soulrebellion.co.uk um to the mailing list um for more information okay all right so yeah listeners viewers subscribers um full underscore e underscore books on the instagram you can get all of our kind of handles from the link tree in there am i right in saying that p yes i believe you're correct we will aim to have this out in the next week or so so look out for elizabeth miss young khadija (laughs) (laughs) thank you for joining us all right. Thank you so I'm, much for having me. Again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, because you're interesting. We definitely want to speak to you again in the future. Oh wow! Thank you. <laughs> All, All right. right. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.